0: I might actually go to work tomorrow, although 5 a.m., it does come quick, and I do have some more time I can use. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is you decided to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day, my family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the full coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do things a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, uh, Billings, Montana we cover ASU football and ASU basketball to go along with it and it's all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Muya Billings. Um yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, and and this is seems to be a little bit more for real. I know yesterday I mentioned that I was feeling good earlier in the day and then, you know, it the the aches came back with what seems like a, a vengeance. Now the only thing that aches is my lower um my lower back area and that's probably because of the way I've been laying and, and sleeping. Um, so there's, there's that, um, cough is still there. You, you'll, uh, will be interrupted by it, uh, many times. Um, but, uh, I, I wanted to go ahead and, uh, get another show in real quick uh, before the Suns play in in uh in about an hour, so this this one will be real quick. Uh, heavy on the Suns. Um, we got uh we'll do sound credits now only because I do want to mention something that that is uh kind of a concern and and an added prayer uh, more than just from yesterday, but sound credits. Uh, all of it's Arizona sports. We have uh, the godfather of Phoenix, uh, Jerry Colangelo. Um, and mainly talking about the Suns, but uh, he has uh, owned both the Diamondbacks and the Suns, so probably some Diamondbacks mixed in there. Um, we have um, uh, CEO uh, Josh Barlstein uh, for the Suns uh, that joined uh, – uh Bicley Morata and then um Wolf and Luke uh talk about Thaddeus young so we'll we'll uh end the Suns segment with that. Uh before we do Suns, we'll um do some Cardinals actually and uh Monty Austinfort uh joined Arizona Sports and so just kind of uh, he shares his, his game plan and thoughts going into the combine, into the draft, uh, and, and kind of where where they are as a team right now. So we'll hear uh, from uh, Monty Austin Fort, uh, before we get into some Suns. But uh, the concern I have right now that, that, that kind of brings things a little down, uh, and I know, I know I feel like I've been doing that a lot lately, between myself being sick um, the news from yesterday and, and thank you for your prayers on, on that um, just to catch up and for whatever reason you didn't listen to yesterday's but you're listening to today um, we have uh, 30 days to vacate uh, the rental home that we are in because we um, were notified that the owner is selling the home so um, that's kind of heavy on our hearts and then the other thing, and I was hoping that she, uh, she was going to get on top of it, but, um, my mom got, uh, some, some of the sickness that I had, and I don't know if it's the same symptoms. It seems to be, uh, somewhat the same, a lot more coughing on her end. Um, and she had a, she had a fever and maybe I did, but whatever reason, every time I checked, it was never registering. I don't know. Um, uh, I would say she's in pain and she very well could be, uh, but she moans and groans a lot anytime she's not feeling good. So that's nothing new, uh, new for me. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it would be more disturbing than it is. Um, I just kinda, you know, I'm attentive, but I, I kind of block it out because it is literally every, every bit of any movement, if she's not feeling good or hadn't, it's like, oh, you know, she sounds like she's dying. And uh, But my concern is that as rough as the sickness has been on me, it's going to be, you know, concern, considering her age and the health conditions that she already has, uh, she's had um, heart complications and all these different things, um, and so it's going to be tenfold worse for her. Um, and my concern, and this is going a little darker than maybe people would, um, think is that it takes her out, out, like not just out for a couple of days, but like, you know, in the grave. And that, that is my concern and my, in my worry, uh, in the midst of everything else that's, that's going on. So, um, I, you know, I wouldn't mind if you guys join me in, in prayer that, that my mom gets over this sickness um very very quickly there (laughs) kind of a little suspense that's what this cough does you know when I mute my mic it kind of gives us a little suspense I knew that's where you're thinking I was going but um and then a a um concern of my sisters is is not just that but also if we got to leave my mom is a very good packer She packs very well, very organized, and if we got to leave in less than 30 days now, um, you know, because it's already one day's passed since the notice, um, you know, if she's sick for any considerable amount of time, um, or God forbid, you know, my biggest worry that she passes, that is, you know, a solid asset, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be selfish, and I don't think that's what my sister was going for, but, um, that, that's also uh, a rough uh, deal. Um, one of my uh, ideas, it's not an ideal solution um, to what our situation is, is Airbnb. I've never rented an Airbnb before. I know many ha- have and usually only for a couple of days. They do have monthly uh, deals. So um, if, if nothing comes up, uh, though it's not ideal, I hope that that works out. The reason why it's not ideal for a couple of reasons. One, you're using someone else's stuff. Um, that of course that, you know, that's what, you know, going into it. Um, but the other thing is that we're paying not just to live somewhere, but we're also paying to store our stuff. Whereas if we found another rental property or something like that, then, you know, we're, we're not just paying to live. Um, you know, but our stuff is with us and we're not paying two separate charges. Um, so I'm just going to pray over the whole situation again. And if you don't mind praying with me and thank you for your prayers, but, uh, father, I thank you for, for who you are and what you're doing. And I thank you for everybody that's been praying over this situation of this, uh, um, this notice, this, this deal that we're dealing with. And I I know you're going to move in a way and, and whether a temporary answer of Airbnb is, is the idea or that you um, create a a whole better situation that, that is 10 times better than we can ever think and um, extremely affordable and, and super ideal, then, then that, that, that gets opened up. And I, and I pray that you're, you have your will and your way in that. I'd also like to pray over myself and and my mom uh more specifically that we get over this sickness uh, of a quick fasting and in a hurry um and uh and uh not to get so so dark lord but that that and you know this doesn't take my mom out because that would be uh terrible and that, that is a thought and concern that I've had for a little while now so that I've known that she has it and um I know how I was feeling for a day and a half, two days. Um, and, uh, I know it's gotta be 10 times worse for her. And so I I pray that you would just, um, have your will in your way in that situation that you heal my mom. And, uh, um, I, you know, I don't like to think about this, but, um, it, if it, if it is her time to go, uh, I pray that, that, that situation will, will be in your hands and I know it will be, um, but I just I can't help to, but just to pray for her health now because I understand that many times I prayed for other people's health that were super sick and they had we're in the hospital with double, double pneumonia and they they passed on and we were praying that you would heal them on this side of heaven but instead you took them with with you and um, we I understand that that's that's a possibility that you know you're you are a sovereign and you are a just God and. Your plans and your ways are higher than our ways, and so that—that um, that is my ultimate uh, prayer that you have your way in your way, regardless of what you decide to do in any and all of these situations. In your mighty name, I pray, Amen. So, uh, thank you guys. Um, I, I'm, I'm super thankful, and and I you know wouldn't do it any other way. And whether that turns you off or um metaphorically speaking or turns you on and again metaphorically speaking not trying to be dirty here um that um that I share my faith and uh, maybe that's an encouragement for you and and um and I hope it is and uh um and I I'll do it you know 10 times out of 10 um when when it comes to it so uh we'll go ahead and and get into And it's been a while, uh, but we'll get into some Cardinals, and that will be up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Mooyah Billings. Mooyah Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Mooyah locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy, Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Mooyah Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk.
1: Pleasure to welcome the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Monty Ossenfort, into the studios. Monty, thanks for making time for us I We know how busy a time it is for is. You're always busy as a GM, but right now especially, so we appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, first time I've been in your studio. Exciting to be here, you know, not on the phone with you guys, so yeah. it's, uh, it's great to be here with you guys. It's, uh, it's an exciting time for us, and um, you know, we're ready to keep this offseason rolling here.
3: Uh, Alright, before we look forward, one thing looking back, because it occurs to me, and we've talked about this a lot, that for a four-win, five-win football team, um, you guys did a great job of laying down a new foundation, a new culture, charting a new Path. What did you accomplish in your perspective last season?
2: Yeah, I think I think the big thing Dan is that you know we wanted to put together a culture of you know, really the expectations for not only our players, for our coaches, for our staff. Um, you know, it, we, we went into the offseason last year looking for a certain type of player. Um, and we feel like we added a good group of rookie players. And, you know, that continued with our staff working with the players that were already here and the new players that we brought in. And we felt like we made progress. We made progress um, schematically. We made pro- progress culturally. Um, and really, I think at this point, everyone in our organization knows what's expected of them from you know from staff all the way down to players and and that's a big step and that's a big step for us and you know i think the the results last year didn't always show but we do feel like we did make progress in terms of the the competitive nature of our team and and we feel like we were in uh most if not all the games we played and so we felt like we started off with a good foundation to build into going to the next year
1: yeah i i think the hallmark of the 2023 cardinals and and bick mentioned it only four wins to show for it but Around the league, people noticed this team plays really hard. Maybe you're not going to win the game, but you're, you're going to know you played the Arizona Cardinals. I'm curious, uh, and you said that, that certain type of player you're looking for, uh, how much of that, uh, you know, Bleeds down to the, the coaching staff. It's got to be a you know a, a full team effort to get that kind of buy in, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that starts with communication um, among our staff. And we just we have to lay out exactly uh, the type of players that we're looking for: mature, accountable, dependable players. That that really the 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 thing that's at the top of their list and top of all of our lists is is winning. And that's that's what it all boils down to. And and when we win and when we have success, that's when uh, personal success comes. You know, with that. And so. You know, I think having that clear communication with the entire staff and, and making that known to players what the expectations are and, and laying out just how that each person's role leads into us being successful, you know, I think, I think that is all wrapped up. And then that, that's whether we're talking about players, starters, backups, but it's staff, it's coaching, mm-hmm. it's scouts, it's trainers, it's, it's the entirety of the football operations. And so, you know, the more that we can clearly communicate that vision, uh, that's, when, that's when we establish what we refer to as a culture.
3: Now, it, now, this is kind of your time to shine um, outside of the season. You've got free agency, and of course, you've got the draft. You've got a lot of capital in that draft. Outline, how are you are looking at this process? Do you expect to be active in free agency? Are you going to use one to supplement the other? with the broad-based look at what your what your viewpoint is going forward
2: yeah and I think I think this offseason has been you know it's been it's been refreshing since you know last year was such a whirlwind you know everything was new and um, I had really been here for about a month last year and we were a couple of weeks into having JG on board and so you know we were trying to play catch up and we were you know trying to implement processes and so this year you know, really the timeline of everything that we've been doing has been in place. So, you know, last week we had a week of our out of town scouts were in and we had our week of draft meetings this week. Um, this morning, actually, I'm going to go in. We're going to finish up unrestricted free agency meeting with, with the coaches next week we will be in Indianapolis. So, you know, our processes and timelines are now laid out in the order that they should be. It should be laid out in. And so, you know, we have there's a couple there's multiple different times during the year for roster construction and times to improve our roster and Two of the biggest are coming up here in the next couple months. First with free agency, and second with the draft. And so, you know, ultimately the the draft has got to be where we build and where this team forms the foundation of what we're going to be moving forward. It's it's the the place where we get the most swings at it, and we we get to pick and choose the players that we want. Um, free agency is also another big area where we are definitely going to be active in free agency. You know, what does that mean? You know, I, I can't spell that out for you right now. I don't know what that means Like because we don't completely control that, right? Uh, there's there's a market and there's players that we think are going to be available right now that two weeks from now are not going to be available. So, you know, free agency is full of unknowns in that respect. And also, you know, there's there's dangers in free agency. You know, the free agency, uh, the nature of free agency is uh, it's you end up overpaying. And mm-hmm. that's that's how it works uh-huh. it's full of uh there's full of mistakes now that's not to say that there's not there's not play, things that you can fix there, right? And so we are going to take our chances, and we, there will be times where we uh, find ways to supplement our roster. But ultimately, we're going to build this team, and, and what we're going to be moving forward, we're going to build this thing through the draft.
1: Monty Austin, Fort General Manager of the Arizona Cardinals, our guest here during Newsmakers Week. You said, you know, a lot of work to be done, obviously, in terms of this doorstep of, of roster construction. But you can go on any website around the country and see Arizona Cardinals' list of needs. How do you see the list of needs as the— the architect of this team.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like we have a lot of needs. We do. And that's, uh, you know, that's a, a product of just the nature of the NFL. Every year there's turnover on the roster. Um, you know, we have our own group of free agents that we have to work on bringing back. And, uh, you know, we have to see if there's other free agents out there that we think would be a better fit for us moving forward. So, you know, I do think that, hey, we have plenty of room for improvement. Um, you know, to say specifically, you know, I, I'd say, uh we're we're never going to turn down good players. And so, like, I don't think we're in a position right now to say, hey, we're just going to target this, we're going to target that. We're going to go look at – talented players that fit what we're trying to do both culturally and also on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, our, our list of needs is good players that fit us.
3: I thought uh, your quarterback, Kyler Murray, took a lot of strides last year. I think people who have seen him from day one saw the the, the mental maturity, the process that is taking place, uh, the, the trust that he has in you guys, the ability to play the position under center. What is your evaluation of him now going into this season? How permanent is that? What, what what do you make of what you have at quarterback right now
2: yeah i think from the from the day i got here i mean i've been nothing but impressed with kyler um, Kyler, the way that he attacked his rehab last year um, in this time of year in the off season to the springtime when he was continuing his rehab and he was and he was at the same time balancing that with the mental part of the game and learning in the classroom even though he couldn 't be out on the grass and that continued through training camp in the first half of last season, and then ultimately to getting him back out on the field last year, where you know especially the, you know the last eight games he played, particularly with those last four games, you know really. Stepped up and showed what Kyler can do. I mean, he's a he's a very talented player. That, that it's a dual threat with his arm and his legs, um, puts a lot of stress on the defense. Um, you know, so I would say just from him. I've, I've been nothing but impressed with what he has done in our building, and it, it continues to right now. Kyler's in the building right now every day, working, continuing to rehab. I mean, that, that was a tough injury that he mm-hmm. came back from. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard, and especially on someone like Kyler who relies on his legs, you know, that, that takes a while to get there mentally. And so, you know, there's usually, a, with those types of injuries, you know, players come back a year later, but really the big jump that they come back from is that second year. Um, that is still, you know, we kind of gloss over. Over, oh it's an ACL he'll be back like that is a hard that is a hard injury to come back from both physically and maybe even more so mentally so you know we're looking forward to what Kyler can even grow upon what he did last year but extremely happy we have Kyler right now and moving forward
1: Cardinals GM Monty Austin Ford our guest here on Bickley and Murata mornings fourth overall pick in the draft an area of need is wide receiver. It's a good wide receiver draft. I'd love to get your thoughts, Monty, on the guys at the top of this class, Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think all three of those guys are very talented players, you know, and I think, um, you know, we're sitting there at four, you um, you know, obviously it's not that it, it, we don't like being at four, right? We don't mm-hmm. want to be at four again. And unfortunately, uh, we're at four this year, but that also provides opportunities. Right. And so, you know, we're going to sit there and we're going to whether it's a wide receiver who those three guys that you mentioned are all three very talented players. There's no question. Um, you know, we're going to, we, we look at every position in the draft and we're going to, um, we're, we're in the middle of that process right now. And we'll get more time to spend with those guys and, and all the players at the combine next week. Um, I'm really excited for that week, um, but what we're gonna, you know, what we're gonna do is we're gonna evaluate the entirety of the draft, and we're gonna make the best decision when it comes to that pick. Whether that's, you know, I think we showed last year, you know, our propensity is to when that phone rings, we're going to listen. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have an opportunity to sit there and, and pick who we deem to be the, the, you know, worthy of the fourth pick, or, you know, we're going to, and if the phone rings and somebody has got an offer for us to move up, to move back, like those are all things that we're going to consider.
3: There are so many ways to miss on a draft pick. You know, that being in the industry, you can, you can overthink things. You can look at too much data. You can, you know, fail to project properly. What do you focus on when you get into this process now and you, and you've got these swings of the bat what what is it that is foundational to you to avoid making those misses
2: yeah and i think i think with that it's uh i mean i'd love to sit here and tell you that i'm i'm gonna bat a thousand you know from draft picks and it's just not reality there's just it's just not gonna happen and so you know i think with with anything um we always talk about it is any player evaluation that we're trying to do it's it's a it's a pie right and so There's a bunch of different things that go into each piece of that pie. And I'd say the vast majority of that is always going to go back to the game tape. Okay. And so that's ultimately, it's going to go back to, Hey, what does this guy do when he's actually playing football? Now there's a lot of other things that we use to paint the picture of the player. There's, um, there's the combine workouts. There's the pro day workouts. There's the interview with the player. When we get to sit down and and talk to him, when our coaches get to sit down and talk to him, um, there's the medical, which is a huge piece. And so really, what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill in that pie with all these pieces and we're probably two thirds of the way there right now. We'll fill in most of that the next couple of weeks in the combine and through the pro day process. And then really the month of April is then we take a step back and we look at it in totality and we have all these pieces and we try to uh, make the best decision that we can based on all the information that we collected and we try to get our you know our the pulse of what the player is and their makeup and and what they just how they're going to be if they're in our building every day Um, and you know that's not easy that's not easy to do and so you know we're going to try to paint that picture of what we think each player is and then at the end of the day make the best decision
3: real quick though how do you know what guy is going to fight in December when he's on a bad team how because a lot of people people always say, I want the guys that love football. How do you really know?
2: Yep. And I think that goes back to, are they showing it on the tape? Okay. Because you can say, you can sit across from me and tell me anything you want to do, mm-hmm. but in the end, are you doing it on the tape? And then when we meet the player and when we sit across from them, does that match what they're telling us? Does that match what they said they are doing on the tape? Yeah. And so if those two match, you know, we're rolling and we feel good. If those don't match, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. we got some more
1: work to do. Before we let you go, one more rewind question. Uh going back to your first year at the helm of, of this organization, Monty, is there a moment that you're most proud of, a, a fond memory or just something that the team accomplished that you you took into the offseason as a real point of pride.
2: Yeah, and I think you know, there's there's nothing in this business that, that beats winning. Mm-hmm. And so I would say any one of those four victories that we had, particularly those those victories in um, in December, Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania, yeah. yeah, when we had two good wins uh-huh. there in Pittsburgh and uh-huh. Philly, and you know, winning. Winning football games, it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, there is a lot that goes into it from a lot of different people, from the, the number of hours that go into from players to coaches to staff and ultimately goes into three hours on Sunday to de- deem whether we were successful or not. And so any time that we were able to walk off that field, that—that uh, that is a testament to what our staff has done, mm-hmm. what our players have done, and ultimately – we're trying to do that much more next year in 2024 than what we did in 2023.
1: Monty, thanks again so much for uh, making the time for us at a a busy time for you. And hopefully we can chat again real soon. Yeah. Appreciate
2: it guys. Love to do it again.
1: Monty Austin for general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, our guest during newsmakers week.
0: Thanks for, I love how aggressive he is actually in, 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 uh, the draft. And, uh, if, if I had my two cents, if, if the Cardinals were saying, Hey, Big Sky Sports Talk, who do you think, you know, what do you think we should do at the draft? Well, they got so many glaring holes, I guess, you know, if I, ideally you can uh, trade back and get, a you know, a couple more picks and still get a, um, like, one of the best players, you know, whoever you would consider the best players, whether it, it's someone on the defensive or offensive side. A lot of people saying Marvin Harrison. A lot of people are you know, uh, saying you can't go wrong in this draft. You know, if they drafted all defensive players, because one, that's a strong uh, um, thing in this draft—a a strong side of the ball that the draft offers—and that's what the Cardinals need. Um, but, I you know, I would be fine if they stood pat there at four and 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 got Marvin Harrison Jr. That that is, and I, I'm like as wolf would say in the danger zone on on uh Marvin Harrison Jr uh, like that that is you know he's getting Larry Fitzgerald type comps and that seems like a player that they just absolutely can't miss on but um <laughs> i would love for them to and then Roma Od- Odunze wouldn't wouldn't be a bad one either either of those two would be be great um I just don't know how long those guys are going to be there, and if you trade back, you're probably going to miss miss on both of them. Um, and I, I feel like, though, that, that might be what the Cardinals are going to do. Um, to, and, and that's what, you know, it, it, and you feel like that because that's what um, Monty Awesomefort did last year. He traded back and then traded back up um, and still got you know some um, solid draft picks back, um, got a great guy. Um and um and I can't remember his name right now, the offensive lineman that that the name is stumping me from Ohio State, but um uh, uh, you know so he's very aggressive in that way, and uh, we'll see how aggressive he is in in free agency. Um, but I do like you know his thought processes on a lot of different things, and I think he's he's going to be going to be good and has the potential to be anyway. Um, so there, there's a couple of my thoughts on both on both those things. Let's go ahead and get into the Suns side of things. Spend about a half an hour or so on that, and that will be up next on Big Size Sports Talk.
1: <laughs> Joined in studio by Valley sports icon, Chairperson of the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. the one and name's only. on
3: the court yes, at the Hall of Fame.
1: It is. Jerry Colangelo's in studio with us. Jerry, thanks so much for coming good in. Good great morning. to see you. It's always great to be here. We have so many places we could go on, on discussions with you. Where would you like to start? I, I, actually, I do. I, I know where I want to start. start. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning of this basketball season, the, the, the Suns organization uh, transformed the Ring of Honor. Uh, They went to the the permanent banners, and you were part of that celebration, obviously. Um, I would love to get your thoughts on that night and just that kind of kinship between the Ring of Honor members for the Phoenix Suns. I I got an opportunity to be there and and witness it up close and personal, and it was a special night for anybody who's followed this organization for a long time.
4: For sure, and I think it was a big big plus to uh, transform the identification within the arena, to the banners. I think that was a, a, a great thing. And by the way, I think a lot of good things have happened with the change of ownership in terms of the direction of the uh, organization and the commitment uh, that Matt Ishbia and his brother have uh, put forth. And so yes, there is a kinship uh, with the people who um, are represented in the ring of honor. It's a lot of history mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. and. Um, many, many stories. And so it's always great to get back and and meet with people that you haven't seen for a while. Um, You know, um, it's it's a wonderful thing. And I think that kind of identity builds tradition
3: for an organization Um, and that's happening here. Right. Uh, Well, I think one of the last times I saw you, we were at a golf event when uh, we all got the terrible news that Walter Davis had passed and and i know that walter um for the for Suns fans who didn't see him you missed out on on well he was michael jordan's favorite player a lot of people's favorite player it kind of speaks to that kinship and the lineage that that you built here and and this family is very very special yes um you know walter was one of my
4: favorite um players ever you know with the with the Suns, um he was a, a high draft pick um he came in and was Rookie of the Year, averaged 25 a game as a, as a rookie, and had one of the, talk about Sweet D, one of his nicknames, his shot, his jump shot was as pure as silk, no, no doubt about that. And so, uh, and he was a kind soul. He really was. Good person, he had some challenges a little later on in his career. That's not unusual, you know, for many athletes because of the pressures, the money, the things that go on in uh, in, in their lives. So I um, felt badly about that, but you know, I got to see him before he passed, and um, that was a great moment. Uh, you're referring to that event that right. took place that Jimmy Walker put on right. at the Biltmore. And um, so uh, I'm very happy that he's being moved forward, and I'd be shocked if he didn't get elected.
3: That's nice. my opinion. Into the Hall of Fame.
4: So, yes.
3: That's great.
1: Definitely worthy. We're talking with Jerry Colangelo here during Newsmakers Week, uh, day three on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You, t- you talked prior about the history that's being built with the Suns, right. and now it's franchise for, for well over 50 years, so the history is there. The one thing that's missing from the franchise history, of course, is a championship banner. Right. Uh, from your perspective, I mean, you talked about the positives under this new ownership group with Matt Ishbia. How equipped do you think this version of the Phoenix suns is to to win that first title?
4: They have as good a shot as anyone else. So you, you can't say that they're the leader in the clubhouse or anything like that because you could see where they are and their struggles that they've had. Um, we haven't really seen enough time together, even for the big three, so to speak. But even if they were healthy, there's some other ingredients that are required to get to the promised land, and and it relates to the bigs, and it relates to defense. So, um, if they can shore up in that sense, there's never going to be a problem in scoring, uh, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, but I sure would like to see Beal be able to play for an extended period yeah. of time. I've always been a Beal fan. Um, He was to play with uh, the the Olympic team two or three times, and injuries prevented him from doing so. I
1: think it was COVID the last time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He
4: was at training camp in uh, in Vegas, and uh, we had to send him home Mm -hmm. because of the COVID.
3: Yeah. Speaking of defense, there wasn't a lot of that seen during the All-Star game, and and it's really not a platform for defense, but what I want to bring up is at one point in time, the NBA was was way too defensive-minded. You chaired a committee, and and you instituted help implement uh, some changes that opened up the game that, that made it much more aesthetically pleasing. There are people who think maybe it's gone too far, that, that maybe we have too many three put, too much offense, not enough defense. Do you think the NBA should be, um, I, I, the concern might not be the right word, but what are your thoughts on that?
4: Um, I think they should continue. The league should always continue. Every league and every sport look for ways to improve, look for ways to, to uh, tweak. And so when we made all the changes, you know, 20 some years ago, that's because we had Terrible looking basketball. Hmm. the shot the shot selections, the percentages, the mugging in the paint. Uh, it wasn't a pretty sight. Isolation basketball. Mm-hmm. you know you you can thank Don Nelson for creating that situation. <laughs> but you know, uh-huh. we addressed it. We, we We made a whole bunch of changes. and by the way, that it happened at the Phoenician here in Phoenix because I called the committee. Uh, after David Stern uh, and I met in New York I said David I'm a little turned off right now on the game I said and I'm a I, you know how much I love the game He said, well what do you think we need to do I said we have to we have to really shake it up and so I brought about 12 people in who were in my opinion really terrific basketball minds and we did a lot of things we eliminated the um, defensive guidelines that no one really understood Mm -hmm. including referees um we um we 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 made the rules change so much that guards had a chance to play again Mm -hmm. the point guards and it was good timing because along came steve nash (laughs) who took advantage of that but prior to that the the muggings that took place in the paint were were terrible we speeded up the game Ten seconds to advance the ball. We went to eight, nine seconds, and so um, I was pleased with the developments. What we didn't know, or could have projected, is how the three-point shot would become such a. I thought it would be a home run element. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a way to come back in the game when you're 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 down. You know, the, the ball goes up, an opening tap, and someone comes down and shoots a 30-footer. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's you it, yeah. yeah. So, um, that part of it, I, I'm not happy with. You know, I wish there was more control over that. Um, you know, being in Indianapolis uh, for that weekend, although I didn't see any of the events, I uh, was busy with uh, things I had to do, press conference and a, a breakfast meeting. Um, I I just think that uh, they have to take a hard look at the weekend Mm -hmm. and really do more than tweaking it because I didn't like what I
1: saw. Yeah, Yeah. You set me up for where I was going with my next question. Mm -hmm. You talked about NBA, All-Star Weekend. The reviews were not favorable, uh, even from the commissioner, Adam Silver, a lot of fans who watched the the weekend, and especially the game. And I want to focus on the actual All-Star game. You've had your hand in fixing a lot of things in sports over the years. You've referenced some of them this morning. Is there a way in your mind... In today's climate, with so much money at stake for these players and health and all of that, is there a way to fix the NBA All-Star Game? I'm not sure.
4: Honestly, I, I'd like to hear from people who are really involved in it now. What, what are their thoughts? Um, you know, the money is so big mm-hmm. now that the players are making. And um, it, it's a different game. It's a different attitude. It's, there's a lot of things that are different from 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, there was a time when it was a lot more competitive for sure, and they addressed that. they, they you know like prize money mm-hmm. to make it more competitive, but it wasn't enough to do make that kind of a change. you can't you can't play with it that much. you know, either straighten it out or don't do it at all mm-hmm. and come up with another means by which you could promote the game on all star all star weekend. Maybe it doesn't include. Uh, a game among the players, but just skills. I don't know. Uh, but they can't continue exactly as it is yeah, because I agree. Uh, in watching the game on TV, um, it just wasn't good
1: to see. No. And for, you mentioned three-point sh- shots being too prevalent in the game. 97
3: three-point shots by one team. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Getting, one team shot 97 the threes Eastern in that game? The Eastern Conference 42 for 97 oh my from three-point range. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right. Uh, uh, in terms of your reign uh, as, as chairman of USA Basketball, you, you really reset uh, the Olympic program and got it back on, on a higher ground to the point now where there's lines of players trying to get into the Paris games. When you look back on that, um, where does that rank in your, in your list of personal achievements?
4: Well, I think the first one and you were involved with the first one mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, China after, uh, the dismal showing by the '04 four team in the, um, uh, Olympics in Greece. Uh, and now he was asked to take over the program, and I said I would, but under certain conditions. Um, we were deemed afterwards the redeemed team. Well, I use this, and uh, and it's exactly how I felt. We changed the culture. Coach K was the right guy to help me do that. Uh, we had to earn back the respect of the world basketball community. We did that by showing respect to them. And... Um, and so on the day that you know we won and it was it wasn't that easy. You know we we had beaten Spain big time earlier um a few days earlier and here we go um we had to really struggle to win it mm-hmm. because it was a great great game. The medals were being um awarded, the star-spangled banner was being played. The whole scene what went through my mind was uh, very seldom does someone have an opportunity to have that kind of responsibility, uh, take it very personally, uh, have a plan, watch it executed, and get the desired result. So it didn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. Now, I loved each of the wins that we had in the Olympics, all four of them, 8, 12, 16, and 21 because of COVID. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then some a couple of world championships also. I loved every minute of it because that's been in my blood. You know, the game has been in my blood and I owe so much to the game. Um, So I felt good in leaving. And then also giving the the reins to uh, Grand Hill, who I think will do a terrific job. And, Vic, you said that, you know, players are lined up. From everything I know, that's true. Um, Again money is going to play a role in this thing and sure. fear of injuries and, and getting insurance now is like a zillion dollars <laughs> i mean it's really out of, out of hand so there's going to continue to be challenges just because that's the way it is but um, i like our chances for sure
1: jerry colangelo in studio with us for a uh, newsmakers week 2024 also, still involved uh, with the athletic program at, at Grand Canyon University, and we had Bryce Drew on earlier this week. We had Brian Mueller on, and what a season the Lopes are having—24 and two. There's talk, although I don't think D.C.U. Uh, should should test that theory. But there's talk, even if they don't win the WAC tournament, their their resume is so strong that they would get in as an at-large, which would be heard of, unheard of from a team from that conference. But uh, how proud are you uh, to see where this whole process is? And there was very, very clearly stated goals for that program about 10 years ago with the move to Division One, and it looks like it's on track.
4: Well, Brian came to see me after he had taken the, the reins at Grand Canyon, and it was still just a small little 800-student uh, 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 college mm-hmm. at the time. And he had a vision, and he shared it with me, and I bought into it, and he asked me to, to join up and uh, i went on the board i didn't like board work people sit around and don't know what the heck they're talking about and, <laughs> i mean it's a joke like, that's my experience uh-huh. on board no, i think you're boards. right on the money and i don't mean to be disrespectful but it's a waste of my time mm-hmm. and so he said would you be help me build the business college bi- business college and i said great i'd love to do that pass on what i've learned over the you know decades and he named the school in my, in my honor, and it's, it's one of the great business schools in the country today, and I enjoy the involvement with the young people, and I'm around, and I'm available. Um, and he asked me to be involved in the sports, in particular basketball, um, and I have. I mean, I've been very involved, you know, selection of coaches, building a program, getting us into Division One mm-hmm. at the time, which was part of the game plan. And we did that in a three-month period, which was definitely never heard of before. Um, so, a lot of a lot of great things have happened there. And by the way, I consider the Grand Canyon story one of the great stories, not only in the state of Arizona, from a business point of view, but in the country. Mm-hmm. And you know, here's a school that gets zero dollars from the government and does it all on, on their own. They create the revenue with online revenue. A couple of billion dollars in infrastructure has gone into a 400 acre plus um, piece of property. Uh, we're gonna be 40,000 to 45,000 before mm-hmm. it's over. There's over 100,000 online. Everybody knows about Grand Canyon now. It's really interesting. Yeah. And um, that's that's fun for me. It's an
3: amazing success story. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I I listen to you speak, and I and I think about your journey, and I think about how you came here with a bunch of suitcases and maybe what four or five hundred dollars in your pocket, right?
4: I, I didn't have that much money. I didn't- <laughs>
3: I had 300 (laughs) and then you'll you'll look at, at where the place what what has happened here now how do you reflect what do you begin to think about when you look at what has become largely because of your labors well first of all I
4: felt I feel really blessed I mean in terms of what yeah where I came from uh what sports did for me you know gave me opportunity to get an education I met my wife of 60 plus years at the University of Illinois after transferring from Kansas where I was to be the outside shooter for Will Chamberlain. Oh. And uh, boy, if they had three-point shots then, I would have been
3: <laughs> thats
5: right in, in the
4: money. That's but, right. Uh, so I, I came here and, and you know the story that I saw a blank canvas when I arrived for the interview uh, and that you could paint your own portrait because it was a young, bustling western city and um, my i i felt very good about the selection about you know leaving chicago not going to milwaukee but coming to phoenix and um, it's been a, a terrific terrific uh, time for me my family helping grow the city in so many different ways um, uh, being responsible for a lot of the pro teams, obviously, winning a, a World Series and with the Diamondbacks, which was a, a big thrill. Um, you know, the Suns have been who I am for 50 plus years, so uh, I feel very
1: blessed. Yeah. Fantastic, and we got. Well, a chance. we're blessed to have you, Jerry. Yes. So thank, thank you. you. We got a chance. Bick and I did got a chance at your luncheon back in October to express those thoughts on stage. So uh, again, from all the sports fans in the valley, thank you, and thank you for being here today. Thanks, Jerry. guys. We appreciate it's it. always thank a you, pleasure. Jerry. The great Jerry Colangelo joining us for two segments here on Newsmakers Week.
0: Man, what a what a treat! Every time, time, every time that I get the opportunity to play a. a, a even a couple seconds sound clip of Jerry Colangelo I will um because what he's done um for the city of Phoenix and so so many things he's had his hands in and um it's just been it's been good stuff um so I, I'm super uh glad to know that you know he he is He's still that man that that you know came to Phoenix so many many years ago, and um, he loves the Suns, loves the Diamondbacks, loves the Valley, um, and uh, you know I I just I love it you know so um, the Godfather of Phoenix is 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 uh, we call him. I think I'm really shaking this cough because now it's coming more and more frequent, and I know that's usually what happens. So, before I pause or mute my mic again, let's go ahead and move on to and continue with the topic and go to uh, Josh Borlstein,
1: the CEO of the Phoenix Suns and phoenix mercury josh bartelstein who joins us on the arizona sports line josh thanks so much for being with us today we appreciate it josh of course thanks for having me guys excited to be on yeah uh we're we've been talking a lot in in the segments where we don't have interviews during newsmakers week about this being the beginning of the stretch run for this team 27 games left the west is wild and very very closely bunched How how do you feel about things going into this stretch
6: we feel great. You know, we've played really good basketball for a sustained stretch now. Uh, I think we have, you know, a, a top eight net rating. Our offense, since we've been healthy, has been top five. Our defense has been really, really good. So, you're right, the West is loaded. Um, it's unbelievable. But I think we feel really, really good about our team. You know, our big three, our supporting cast, uh, adding Royce as well. Um, I think you've seen the team. It's Besides the winning, it looks better. It feels better. Coach Vogel's done a great job, I think it's going to be a great 27 games of basketball here down the stretch.
3: Now, Suns fans really, really appreciate the aggressiveness shown by Matt and you and the way you guys are, are putting this team together. I can't recall a basketball team at the trade deadline kind of wiping out and refitting their bench the way you guys do. What do you think the new Suns are going to look like once you integrate Thaddeus Young, once Royce O'Neal gets more time uh, under his belt? How do you think this team is going to project?
6: Yeah, I mean, first, a testament to Matt. You know, Matt's all in on winning. Uh, what he tells James and I all the time is, help and we'll keep making this team better, and we'll figure out the money part of it later. Like, it's, it doesn't matter about the tax bill. It matters about how do we win more games. And That's how we got Royce O'Neal, a proven winner, uh, a guy who's multi-positional, can shoot. He's made a huge impact uh, in his three games here. We're really happy to have him. And same thing with Fad Young, uh, another proven winner, guy who's had a lot of success, great right in the locker room, And it provides positional versatility, right? The thing we want to give Frank is a ton of tools in his tool chest. He can play big, he can play small, he can switch. uh, And we think we've given him that. And we feel really, really good about kind of the depth on our team right now.
1: Josh Bartlestein, the CEO of the Suns and Mercury, our guest here on uh, Newsmakers Week on Arizona Sports. And you have an interesting role with the team involved in the basketball operations, also heading up the business side of things. And we tend to focus in our roles, Josh, on the basketball side of things. Uh, and we talk about Matt Ishbia's aggressiveness and his desire to win the ultimate goal. But uh, how does that apply to you on, on the business side of things? I, I, I assume it's just as aggressive and with winning in mind on that side, too.
6: Absolutely. You know, I've been here 10 months now. I can't believe it's been 10 months. But then i never forget when I was interviewing with Matt and kind of how he wanted to run things. I mean, there's so much groupthink in sports and all business, right? The, the power of the NBA, WNBA you can get by doing what everyone's done and probably be fine with it because everyone loves the Mercury and Suns. That's not how he wanted to do things. He wanted to try things out and be aggressive and innovative. And I think you've seen it. And it starts with the first thing he did and we did was the media deal with uh, Arizona family. And that's been unbelievable for us. The amount of feedback I get from fans walking around just saying, being able to watch our games for free, getting an antenna, giving away antennas, truly being a community asset, that's what we're all about. And then it goes to Oakview Group and the partnership there to reimagine the food and beverage and hospitality in the arena. Uh, The first that I've ever done with an NBA team, which has been awesome. It's all different types of fan experience. So there's so much good happening with the Mercury and Suns, but it comes from investment and truly caring about these teams, truly caring about our fans and doing things people haven't done before. We're not always going to be right. If we're not right, we're going to fix it and make it better and better because we care about our players. We care about their families. And we love our fans and want to keep putting our best foot
3: forward. Now, one of the biggest moves made came very, very early on when when the trade for the Twins and a bunch of draft picks went out the door for KD. And there was a lot of fans who who coming into this year were still lamenting that and regretting it. I don't think any of them are lamenting or regretting anything now. And as Matt told us during a recent visit with us, that's a trade you make 100 times out of 100. And it's that kind of conviction that I kind of think marks his ownership here. From your vantage point, what's it been like to watch KD play it the way, at the level he's played this year for your basketball team
6: yeah, it's unbelievable, you know as a, as a younger CEO to like get to witness that greatness, which is what it is, uh, one of the best ever, and then the way he does it too, I'm just getting to have conversations with him, you know learning about Kevin Durant, the person, how intelligent he is. he's a basketball savant, and the game has moved so slow for him, but he's just he's unbelievable, and it's not just on offense, it's on defense, but someone he's set defensively guarding bigger, guarding smaller, rebounding, um, he's having an unbelievable year. But the way he goes about it, that's just so so impressive. And then to get to watch him every single night, we can't take that for granted. You know, me, our fans, like it's, it's Kevin Durant we're seeing on the court every single night, and then Devin Booker as well is going to break you know the Suns' uh, scoring record next year. Like to get these guys on the court together and still in their prime, Katie's never been playing better. Devin's in this prime, just launched a shoe. Bradley Beal, like it, this is a very unique time in Suns history that we're just you know, along for the riding, and it keep getting better and better.
3: No doubt about it. Now, when you take a look, I, it's, it is my contention that the Suns winning a championship. It's one of the great untold stories in sports, given the heartbreak, given the lineage, given the history of this organization. What do you think of these last 27 games? The schedule is obviously going to be difficult. What do you think of it? What What would you like to see this basketball team accomplish on the road to the postseason? <laughs>
6: yeah i think keep doing what we're doing you know we've had a stress now of 28 30 games that we're playing at a very very high level you know we got we were snakebitten with injuries to start the year starting 14 and 15 but our record and how we've played since has, has been really really good the schedule is hard but everyone plays 82 41 at home 41 on the road uh and a are really really important game tonight but i think if, if we keep playing how we've been playing the cohesiveness these guys playing together learning each other implementing royce implementing faddeus um we feel really really good about our team and the playoffs will be brutal for everyone. The West is that good. There's not going to be an easy matchup in the West, but it's going to be an all-time playoff run. We're just going to enjoy each day here. and We have a stated goal of winning a championship. It's not running away from that, um, but the focus right now is on Dallas and Houston, and you're right. Every other game is going to be really, really tough, but that's the best part of the NBA.
1: Josh Barlstein, uh, CEO of the Suns, and Mercury our guest here during Newsmakers Week. We've talked a lot about the aggressive nature of the Suns and how things have been since Matt Ishbia took over, since you've been on board for those 10 months, and uh, you know, Bick mentioned it. We we talked to Matt briefly uh, last Friday on the show, and then later in the day, he did the Pat McAfee show. And I think that was indicative, just the reaction of that show to his attitude on things, that you guys are, are making waves. I'm curious, Josh, if you get feedback from other NBA organizations or WNBA organizations on the way you're doing things. And if so, what is that feedback?
6: Yeah, it's a great question. So we're just all in Indy for All-Star. And kind of when you're hearing in the weeds of it, you're so focused on executing and operating all the things that have to go on to run the Mercury and Suns. Then you go to Indy and you hear the excitement and sentiment around the Suns and Mercury and just the business things we're doing, the excitement of the basketball team, uh, hosting WNBA All-Star here in July. You know, there, there's so much going on that you take a step back and say, wow, we have done a lot in, in a year since Matt bought this team. So um, for us, we always want to do more. Uh, and I think the, the strength of our team is our team. It's the culture we've built, and that's what I'm probably most proud of. And it started with Matt at his press conference. Uh, we talked about being people first and truly caring about our team members and how they love coming to work every single day. And if you create an amazing environment for them to come to work and, and love what they're doing and take pride in the Mercury and Sons, then it's, gonna, it's we're going to have a lot of success together because of the talent we have. So um, you're right, the sentiment of the Mercury Sons being in Indy uh, made me really, really proud to be here, and all of us be a story of moving these teams forward.
1: We're talking with Josh Bardelstein, uh, CEO of the Suns and Mercury, and talking about the dynamic at the top. One of the most impressive things to me is that this thing can run so smoothly with a Spartan and a Wolverine working together <laughs> to make this. How much? Do That's you guys, a good point. I how, didn't even realize <laughs> yeah. that. How much do you guys rib each other over the rivalry?
6: It's. Big 10 country. I mean, look, in football, uh, uh-huh. I don't have to say much. Right? I mean, our, our national champions. Uh, so that's that. And my, my you know, we're both walk-on basketball players. Uh, so I can't say much in basketball right now. But there's a mutual respect. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, I Coach Izzo was always great to me. Like, I, he's one of the best to ever do it. Uh, and it's interesting. Matt and I talk a lot. The way Coach Izzo ran his program and then Coach Beeline for me at Michigan, a lot of similarities, a lot of the same core values, which I think, the reason I met you know, met and got along so well was we both kind of our mentors were our college basketball coaches, and even though they're, we're rivals, they have a lot of similarities. Um, so we joke about it. I'm 0-2 in basketball this year. He lets me know about it. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a national champion until uh, oh, next January. So That's I'm going right. to keep that
1: going. That's yeah, right. You've got that one to flash for a while. Josh, thanks Thank so much you, Josh. for uh, joining us today. We really appreciate the uh, conversation. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. Thank you too. Josh Bartlestein, CEO of the Phoenix Suns. And Phoenix Mercury, our guest during Newsmakers Week.
0: Yeah, that's always a, a fun one when you can poke fun at a at a rival. Um, and uh, yeah, with uh, Josh's uh, Wolverines winning the Natty, you know, he'll have uh, almost a not quite a calendar year. Um, well, I mean, I guess until another one is crowned, uh, but he'll he'll have uh, quite a few months to hang that over. His boss's head, um, that that being um, Matt Ishbia, who uh, is a Michigan state uh, alum. Um, and I do like that they both were walk-ons um, and and you know got scholarships as walk-ons um, because that shows a lot of a lot of heart and determination and toughness. and I think that the, those are uh, key core values that they hold when when running, you know, a business that is the Phoenix suns and Mercury. I think that's pretty cool. Um, it just, uh, during the show, uh, got the notification that, um, that Bradley Beal will not be available. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, a little bit later in, in the week. Um, but not available tonight. Um, so that already leaves an open, uh, you know, spot. um, for someone to to you know come off off the bench, and, uh, and 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 might we see Thaddeus Young? I don't know, but I and in two totally different positions. But when you're talking about a small ball lineup, which the Phoenix Suns are definitely interested in playing, uh, that that brings Thaddeus into it, and uh, so might we see him. Because there's one guy out, I don't know, but um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll ponder and think about the role that he might have. And um, Wolf and Luke talk uh, just uh, about that, much like um, it was talked about uh, yesterday's show.
7: Had Young on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, talking about uh, his arrival in Phoenix. Now he is available tonight, Wolf, but there's that's not a guarantee that he's going to play tonight. But he is at least available. It sounds
8: Boy, like That that's that always sounds so weird to me. I, it makes me think he is playing tonight. You just don't want your opponent to know that he's playing tonight. He is available, but we just don't know if he's going to play. It's kind of like the questionable tag, of course, right? The questionable tag uh, for most NBA teams, the guy's going to play under a questionable tag. Yeah. This one, it kind of feels like a questionable tag without actually listing him as questionable because he's not on the injury report. So how do you list him as questionable (laughs) without him having an actual injury? You know what you do? This This right here. He's available tonight. We just don't know if he's going to play.
7: I hope that somewhere somebody with a sports ticker takes everything you just said and puts that in parentheses next to Thaddeus Young. (laughs) Not Thaddeus Young questionable. Thaddeus Young, the minute and a half you just talked about, what it means for him to be available but not necessarily play.
8: But you hear me say this all the time, my brothers, right? Why would you let your opponent know? Why? I mean, I realize it's Thaddeus Young. I realize he's not going to go out there and play 33 minutes, score 26, and grab 14 boards. Well, I hope he I, does now. No, that'd be awesome yeah, if he did, okay? Cool. I. But you know what I'm saying. You know, why would you ever provide any type of aid, comfort, or shelter to your opponent?
0: Well,
7: they play three games in the next four nights, so maybe that is part of the reason where they're not sure if they're going to play him yet. Maybe they don't know exactly what his role is going to be yet. Their schedule is kind of – Odd in the sense that they play Dallas tonight, Houston tomorrow, and the Lakers on Sunday. But I would say even more odd, Wolf, in the fact that three of their first five games out of the All-Star break are against yeah. Houston. <laughs> they go Dallas, Houston, Lakers, Houston, Houston. Yeah,
8: yeah you know, I, I just need to go back to right, something you just said right there. Oh boy, I mean, I don't even know what I said. Honestly, right now, do you, don't you think Frank Vogel and his staff know if Thaddeus Young is going to play tonight, at some point it's on Frank. Can I talk to you? Like, you know, am I playing tonight or am I not? You know, do, don't you think they actually do know if he's playing tonight or not?
7: I would suggest I think they do. that you call Frank, but <laughs> I, I'm guessing Frank, like Monty Austinfort, as you said earlier, probably has two phones and he's not answering I'd go your to the call. personal one and yeah. he would not answer like, that oh, one. God, you Wolf's got that right.
8: Me again. But you get my point. You know, I hopefully. Hey, listen, Coach. We we'll got a game in a couple of hours. Um, am I playing? Can Can you tell me? Yeah. You know why are we not telling anybody? I, I I'm just saying That's right true. now. Tip-off's I in, think they know. Tip offs in like four hours or not? Four and a half hours. I just don't think they want you to know. No. Why? Mission accomplished. Why would we want you to know?
7: They They don't want us to know. Here's Thaddeus Young. Uh, on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. He said, "Hey, I'm not here for the minutes."
5: You know, I, I told Frank this and I told James this, like. You know I'm a, a whatever it takes type guy. So, you know whatever it takes. You know if it if it's nights where I'm not playing, hey, so be it. I'll figure out other ways to you know stay engaged with the game and help guys, uh, young guys on the bench and stuff stay engaged in the game. Um, you know if uh, if it's nights where I'm playing, I'm gonna give you my all, 100, percent and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to help us get that win. So you know I'm I'm a whatever it takes type guy. You know um, you know I've. You know, seen a lot of basketball, played a lot of basketball. You know, it's probably two guy, only two guys on the roster that's played over a thousand basketball games, and that's probably me and KD. So, you know, like I said, I've seen a lot. You know, and I understand, you know, uh, what the role is and and what's needed at certain points in times. And you know, um, you know, they're they're giving me, you know, free will to be able to speak to guys and talk to guys and coach guys up, but also uh, when I'm in the game to be able to, you know, uh, tell them and give them my thoughts on what I see. Give it to
7: me one time. How many games, Luke? He has played 1,162 NBA games. Oh That's goodness. not counting playoffs. That's just regular That's
8: truly amazing right there. 1,100. Over 1,100 NBA games with that. He is young. If you want right context, now.
7: this helped me. Eric Gordon has played 865 <laughs> NBA games. And Eric Gordon, it feels like, has been playing <laughs> in the NBA for a while. So he's played almost 300 more regular season games than Eric Gordon.
8: Okay, so one of the things about that, he is young as well, based on his you need to know this, he's really, really smart. Extremely intelligent guy right now. And he also has a, a competitive edge. He also brings a lot of intensity to the floor. See, I love that combination right there. Intelligence and intensity. Intensity and intelligence. That is exactly the kind of guy you want to bring in to model your culture, what you have. And he plays physically. And that's what I think this team needs. A lot of intensity and a lot of physicality.
7: But he can't lead the team in plus-minus because that's Royce O'Neal's That's right. Are you kidding me? He's three for Royce three so O'Neal. far. Dominating. Plus 37 in his last game.
0: Sorry about that, uh, dead air uh, transition. I'll have to edit that out. I was trying to do a couple things to help take care of my mom, and uh, I did ask her straight up. I said, "Mom, are you are you you good? You dying on us? What's going on?" She said, "Honey, I'm not dying." And I said, "Okay, but um, I I'll uh, there. You know, if I don't get that fully edited out." you you'll, yeah, there was some dead air there, and I that video wasn't as long as I thought it was. Um, but some of the same comments that, that I had is uh, on Thaddeus Young, so uh, that's the show. Uh, Sun's in uh, uh, 40 minutes, so gotta get that going. I'm excited uh, for them to be back on, on the court. It's been, it seems like it's been a lot longer than, than uh, than it has been you know know, with the all-star break seems so long uh for for the fans probably longer than it does for the players but I'm excited for them to get back on the court again without Bradley Beal but uh should be fine against the Mavericks um well I say should be fine again I don't I don't mean should be fine against Mavericks like I'm you know taking the Mavericks and taking their knees out but uh, I think, you know, they have more than enough pieces um, to, to, to beat uh, a Mavericks team uh, that uh, I, I think they, they always have what they need to, to beat them. In the, but they're, you know, they're in no way a bad team. But anyway, Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and um, YouTube Music, uh, places to listen. And then um, Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com. And uh, um, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, Instagram at Big Sky Sports Talk. So there, there's uh, there's my plug. Muya Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of, of the show. Thanks for your prayers. I I, I uh, do appreciate them. I know my mom does. I know JD does, and and uh, everybody involved. So uh, give updates as I can. Let's go, Sons, and we'll talk later. Thanks.